Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. In today's episode, we have an absolutely intelligent woman, someone that I've known for quite a long time. She worked at Equinox with me before going on to get her master's in dietetics. She's one of the best registered dietitians I know here in Miami, someone that I can always confide in when I need help personally with my own nutritional habits. I'm not going to waste any more of your time. We had a great conversation with her. So without further ado, help us welcome Michelle Alonzo. It's time to sweat it out with Anthony Mendez and Josh Evans. And we're live with the wonderful amazing michelle alonzo how are you i'm doing well how are you guys doing great great to meet you doing nice great to meet you nice to see you josh yes <laughs> as always as always i i always see you on south beach with your dog i'm with my dog it's like always in passing hey what's up i'm uh, i'm the dog lady as strangers when i run into people i don't know sometimes someone will say where's your dog yeah i get that all the time everyone now. knows chloe <laughs> yeah shout out to chloe yeah yeah it's been a while since we've been able to like you know really sit down and have a conversation you know for for those of you listening michelle worked with me at equinox on south beach for quite a long time uh quite quite a a, a lot of good conversations you and i have have had in the past so i'm i've been looking forward to this uh for a while especially because of you know what you do for a living no definitely and now that I've been in nutrition for almost four years, it's nice to see my fitness friends because even though obviously fitness and nutrition go hand in hand, uh, the two camps are very different. <laughs> and now that I've been in both, uh, it's, it's interesting to see that. Yeah, I can imagine. I know, uh, you know, anytime I was talking to, you know, my former time being in athletics, like talking to athletes about nutrition, and then, you know, having to completely fl flip the script and then get into training is like two different worlds. For sure. For sure. It's, it's a much different animal, um, you know, being there with someone while they're doing what they need to do, quote unquote, during their workout versus trying to persuade all those hours that you're not with someone. <laughs> yeah. Now I got, I got to say that, uh, and also too, you see a lot of people undermine nutrition and, you know, it's, it's actually the staple, you know, if, if you want if you really want optimal performance and longevity and, you know, quality of life, if your nutrition is not on point. You know. Well, that's basically what got me there. You know, I was training for years and I just started to notice a pattern that people would get stronger. They would get fitter. Um, but you know, maybe they, they weren't losing the fat they wanted to, or maybe their body wasn't changing the way they wanted to. And it kind of, you know, tweak me towards nutrition and kind of realizing, whoa, this is actually, dare I say, more important. Not that not to not to minimize activity, but what you eat is very powerful. No, it's a there's a reason why Josh didn't bring his Versailles shirt today. Oh, the Cuban sandwich. Yeah, on. Have, yeah. <laughs> nah, he loves that. Hey, shirt. I love Versailles. We talked I know, about right. that's Cuban. That that's the bomb yeah. right there. Yeah. Don't don't listen. We last last episode we talked for like thirty minutes about him being Cuban. So don't. I know you're going to get on that My kick dad's with him. Cuban, it's all good. Yeah, and here also, we go again. And also, there is another thing with you know. Um, I feel like a lot of people view like the dietitian as like the food police, but I would actually say. Dietitians love food. Like I love food. I love good food. And, um, you know, we actually 
broaden people's a lot of times in like the private practice, I feel like I'm telling people, no, actually it's okay if you eat that sometimes versus all the taking away that people correlate us with. It's like with a lot of fitness coaches, like you see some of the way some of us eat, it's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I know. If, they, if people looked at my dietary habits, I mean, some of my clients are like, how, but how are you so lean? I'm like, well, I'm working out with you and working out with like four other people. Exactly. You know, it's like, so I can eat a couple extra croquettes and, and be all right. But you, you need to stay away from them. Say as I do, not as, not, or uh, do as I say, not as I do. Right. Got that. Got that. Yes. So, uh, you know, just for, I mean, obviously I know you very well. Uh, you know, I've kind of filled Mendez in a little bit for everyone who's listening and, and watching on YouTube though, like kind of give them a background or your background in, in dietetics, how you got started in it, what made you, you know, want to head in that field? Because as I said before, you know, you were working at Equinox with me, you were fully engaged in, in the, uh, in the training world. So yeah. what made you want to make that shift? And then, you know, how'd you get your start? Um, so basically I did my undergrad at Florida state. I did not, um, study exercise science and, uh, I moved to New York thinking I was going to work in the fashion industry that lasted all of barely a year. I realized what am I doing? I hate this. So New York or the fashion industry, uh, no love New York, hate their winters, but hate the fashion industry. Pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, came down to Miami, realized I need to do something I love. I've always been active. I thought how much fun could it be to basically help people be healthier. So went into training, uh, was with Equinox for almost nine, almost eight years, um, a little bit privately before and after. And, you know, again, about a few years into training is when I realized, okay, nutrition is really important and it's more important than I had any idea. And it kind of, you know, I started reading different books and at First, the idea of being a dietitian, I was very against. I think I had the concept, like the idea of what most people think is like, oh, they're just going to talk about numbers and they don't really know, you know, I don't know, like, I don't know what I thought, like somehow that that wasn't going to be helpful, but only so many books, so many certifications later, I realized, okay, none of this is teaching me the why. And the why is chemistries, biochemistries, microbiologies, all those classes that I never took in my undergrad. So uh, decided to go to grad school, did that for about half my time at Equinox. And uh, yeah, I've been a dietitian since 2016 now. And I've had uh, clinical experience. Now I've worked privately. I'm still working privately. And uh, even for my clinical work at the VA, I work outpatient now, which is really nice because that's what I ultimately wanted to do. Inpatient was really good experience. It was definitely eye-opening. Um, but now I get to work with people like on a one-on-one -on -one basis. I teach classes. And then I work privately for Essence Nutrition here in Miami. Uh, shout out to my butterflies. And um, yeah, that's what I'm doing now. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. What would you say is your favorite thing about being a dietitian now? Oh, what is my favorite thing? Um, I mean, I love I, not having to see me every morning. <laughs> you know, and this actually is probably true for being a trainer as well is I love people. Mm -hmm. Like I really, truly do, you know, and I realize that is my, I love talking to them and like working with them. I like their quirks, even when they're crazy and annoying, I still appreciate them. So being able to build relationships like that, um, you know, more so with nutrition than exercise, it becomes very personal. So people kind of let you in, you know, your eating habits are very personal and uh, you get to know someone a lot more intimately and their backstory, their families, 
So I, I enjoy that a lot. No, definitely. That's, you know, I, th I think that's one of the most amazing things that you could have said, you know, and being fitness coaches, you know, it, it does get personal. Yeah. You know, it does get personal when you're, when you're talking with your clients and, you know, most importantly, they're putting their trust on you, mm -hmm. you know, to, to help them with what they need help with. Um, when have you seen, I said, I know you said, uh, you know, your dad was Cuban. Mm -hmm. Um, when have you seen where that Cuban, um, side maybe could have helped you somewhere with, with, steering conversations with certain clients in diet, being a dietitian. Yeah. Teach me how to get him to stop talking about being Cuban. <laughs> well, I'm Cuban it. and Italian. So there's a lot of similarities oh, to both sides. Loud. Both loud. loud. Good um, food. Lots of carbs. <laughs> um, My type of food. I would yeah. <laughs> say that I'm very frank with people. I'm very upfront. Um, you know, in essence, I know they like to give me a lot of the, our guy clients cause I'm not such a hand holder. Um, not that I am not empathetic, but I'm just basically not a good liar or now you know or, we're friends or yes. sugar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I basically only know how to say what's up front. So That's that right. might be a little Cuban Italian is ish. Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. Have you seen, a, I, I mean, having, you know, been in the clinical side and, and now doing outpatient, is there, uh, is there a lot of crossover, a lot of parallels between inpatient and, and outpatient? Yes. And in fact, when I was in school, I knew I didn't want to do inpatient forever. I probably didn't really want to do it at all, but I knew it was essential to be a good dietitian. And that showed to be very true because there's a lot of different medical conditions that you read about in a textbook. You know, you read the numbers in grad school, but not until you really see it up close. Do you have that experience knowing how to handle that? Um, I spent a year in the ICU, so we did a lot of nutrition support. So enteral nutrition, parental nutrition. Um, I got to see a lot of very interesting cases and that does transfer to the outpatient setting very well. So, you know, I have a unique experience because my outpatient work now is like very different clientele, but a lot of these major diseases, you know, are rampant everywhere. So I get in the inpatient side, you see like more of the far end of it, like late stages. So when you are back in outpatient, you understand what you're trying to prevent, you know, whether they see it, or I know it, I've seen it. So, um, yeah, that was really helpful. And just to see like, also, you know, how the, how our medical, uh, like systems work, you know, and now I've even had the, uh, opportunity to see, okay, what does for-profit look like? What does uh, a non-profit like the VA, you know, works? I get to see the differences there. So it's been very eye-opening. Yeah. So I would, I would have to say, um, there's, there's probably a big difference in some of the clients you worked back in your fitness days to some of the patients you're seeing now with the different circumstances they're facing. How, how do you handle that mentally? How is that? Like, um, is there a way that you cope with that? I'm sure you see a lot of cases. I'm sure you see a lot of things that you're probably like, wow, like what's your approach on that? You know, both for you and the client, like to help them through it. Well, it's very different. And I, and I think actually having that spectrum, uh, really improves my counseling skills. So, you know, with essence, we have more of a, I would say affluent, um, clientele. You know, um, unfortunately, nutrition services with dietitians are not typically covered under most insurance policies. Problem in and of itself. <laughs> but anyways, um, so a lot of, you know, you pay out of pocket for the most part. And so that's a very different clientele there. And, you know, their own issues. 
And then my outpatient, the VA, is more of a lower socioeconomic status group. So their issues are a little bit different. So it really does teach me how to work with people across that spectrum, um, which I think has made me a better counselor, a better dietitian. What are the uh, what are the differences like if you could name, you know, maybe like three to five, right? Okay. Like what are what are the differences between, uh, you know, low income demographics and the more affluent ones? Because even in, you know, as you know, in training, right, like even the affluent and, and you kind of mentioned it, right? They still have their own set of problems, right? Yeah, and, you for know, sure. Just because you have a bunch of money and you can pay for all these services doesn't make those problems go away. Exactly. So um, I do think some people, whether it be training or nutrition, you know, have this feeling that I can like throw enough money at the problem and it'll fix it. But unfortunately, with things like health, it is on you. You know, no one can jump into your body and sleep and eat and exercise for you. You have to do it yourself. Um, so I would say with, you know, uh, my more affluent clients, it's a lot about time management you know, really structuring your time accordingly, prioritizing things in the right order, in my opinion. You know, what I would say is, you know, without your health, none of your other successes are that sweet. Again, that's my opinion, but I, I do think that's the case for the most part. So getting people to understand that maybe 80 hours a week of work isn't really you know, honoring your health the way it should be when you should be doing other things. So I find that to be more of an issue um, with that clientele. And then I think with, you know, the lower uh, socioeconomic like status group of people, it is about um, education for both is, is definitely the case. I would say with one group, it's about smashing myths that aren't true. And the other group, it's just about bringing things that we might take for granted that other people might have not thought of. And I don't, don't even blame them for it because that lifestyle has a, a lot of demands and they might not have the time to, to read about these things like we do. Yeah. And then obviously still time management Definitely. and then just affording, you know, healthy food generally is more expensive and time is money and you need time to cook. You need time to work out. You oh, need yeah. time to sleep. Yeah. So, you know, all of those factor in. So, so let me ask you, um, you know, knowing that there's these different types of clientels, what is your approach with each one? How do you approach your program or what you're doing, how you're working with them? How does that approach look for each one? So it depends on the person. You know, um, we do, I do try to utilize some like motivational interviewing. I, I want to find out what's important to the person. You know, what is important to you? What brought you here today? Why are you here? And then after doing a very thorough assessment, you know, one thing with like Essence, we have a very long assessment form. We take labs if we can. Um, well, I don't draw the labs. I view the labs. <laughs> but, um, you know, and with that, you know, in my mind, I might say, okay, these are like the t three top things I see this person should be working on. But it doesn't matter that I say this is most important. If they think something else is more important, I'm going to focus on that because willingness and readiness to change around something is like the most important thing. So I'll might mention one thing, but if there's a, a, a discrepancy on what they want to focus versus what I think they should focus on, I'm usually going to gear towards what they want first. And as that becomes a habit or less work for them, we can move on to other things, but it really is about centering the person, uh, 
in charge of their care in some way. You know, like they came here for something, but then what's most important to you? Because as you guys know, behavior change is not just based on knowledge and someone wagging their finger. I wish. I know. We wish, right? Yeah. And yeah, I, I would wish. S- I'd be the best. Oh, of course. I'd be a billionaire. We'd, we'd all be the best. <laughs> I'd be the billionaire. I'm so good at giving orders. <laughs> I, I, I would say that is something that's very true amongst fitness and nutritionists. Like dietitians have this like uh, ret- reputation for being kind of mousy and type A and perfectionist. And, you know, I can, other than mousy, I can, atta- I can attest to that. But, you know, it's not just me telling you to eat A, B, and C. What if you hate A, B, and C? Yep. You know, we need to work around that. Um, and then bringing it slightly back to the VA, they have, so I've only been there almost two years now, but they have this incredible thing there. They're unroll, uh, um, just guess rolling out, you would say, and it's called whole health. And it's really about factoring, uh, looking at healthcare in a holistic manner and putting the veteran in front of their, their care. What, what's important to you? What kind of values do you have factoring in family and community and offering alternative, uh, treatments like acupuncture and yoga. And it's, it's awesome. So I, I hope even traditional medicine eventually can catch on to that as well. No, that's really amazing. You know, and I love the fact that you brought up, you know, about not waving the finger and also to, you know, understanding these people, not making them feel like they don't have options, you know, and, and I mentioned it once or twice on the podcast before, like, you know, as a coach, I'm here, I'm here to be the GPS to your car, you know, and I, and, and I've mentioned with Josh, like, you know, you're the car as a client, I'm just your GPS, I'm here to navigate you, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not here to control, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. just here to navigate. You know, and I would say, um, back to being Cuban, <laughs> um, you know, taking in cultural significance to nutrition is very important. And when you don't do that, I think it's not only insulting to the client, but it's not realistic. So if you want your cafe con leche and pan cubano. (laughs) Well, listen, you know, we pick our time how how often we want certain things to show up. But, but for example, like telling, uh, you know, my Cuban grandmother not to have rice and beans because you need to eat less carbs. is just not, not true. Not oh, going to happen. Good. Not, never going to happen. Never going to happen. So, and if, and if that's the standard that we feel like, oh, well, if I don't do that, I'm not going to be healthy. Well, then that's someone that you just miss an opportunity to help. Yeah. Big time. You know, you, you reference time management and that's, you know, across the board, I think that that's a, a, a huge issue for a lot of people. They either, you know, we've talked about it. People take on too many activities you know, and they, uh, or they, they don't put enough emphasis on the ones that are truly important, like, like having proper nutrition, you know, it's been something that I've had to deal with my whole life. You know, I grew up in a, in a low income family and my sister and I played sports all, you know, our whole life. So it was always go, go, go. My mom would, you know, single parent mom, take me to practice, take my sister to practice, come pick me up, come pick my sister up. And then Oh fuck! It's eight thirty, and these kids got to go to bed. So let's just go to a restaurant and, and get some, you know, fried chicken sandwiches and French fries or pizza or subs or whatever, right? So like, you know, across the board, everyone could do better with time management. So how do you kind of relay, and what do you relay to your clients that can help them improve on that? You know, in the short term, acutely, and also long term. So. Uh, I will say one thing before I even answer that question is I think that time management is important, but I think another thing that we're, I don't know if people pay attention to enough is it's not just time management. I think our culture glorifies being busy, 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 busy. Yeah. 
always got to be busy. What's your side gig? What's your next hustle? And, you know, the idea of relaxing and playing and just sitting under a tree reading a book is, oh, what are you doing with yourself? You know, whereas yeah. to me, that's like also being healthy, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So I think we also have a, a cultural uh, norms that drive this uh, feeling that you have to always be on your hustle. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm always yelling at him to take a fucking vacation. You know, always. It, you know, I mean, ideally six, eight hours of work, eight hours of sleep, eight hours of whatever you want. That's like in a yeah. perfect world. But yeah. so I think that's like an underlying issue with a lot of people, but how I specifically address that with people, I would say a few things is you've got to one, put these type of activities as a priority. So that means that we all get 24 hours a day, whether you are the president or, you know, a teacher or whomever you are, you get the same 24 hours. So it's up to you to prioritize things. And I think it looking at your week ahead of time is really important specifically for fitness. You know, I think people on, and on a Sunday or whatever day they find, you know, what works for them. When will I be active? What will I do? Where will I be? And you pen that in like you would a doctor's appointment with nutrition. I think it's very similar. When will you go shopping? When you go shopping, do you have a plan? Are you just buying things that you think are healthy yes. for you and you get home and you're like, I don't have to do with this eggplant yes, and, double, now it's, and now it's going to rot in my double my stuff fridge. Oreos <laughs> and um, Welch's fruit snacks. I, and even yeah, beyond those, those, weekly those guys, I think that every single day people like in the evenings should take a few minutes, even just in your mind thinking, okay, what does tomorrow look like? When will I have time to eat? Am I going to be doing a bunch of errands? Will I need to bring snacks on me? Like, will I be in the road for a few hours? Um, you know, what do I need to pack something? Do I have ingredients for dinner tomorrow? Do I need to take the chicken out to thaw or whatever it might be? Those, those, uh, spending a few minutes to do that can keep can ensure that next day is more of a success. I don't want to say success, just like you're not, you're not making nutritional decisions based on, oh, I didn't think about it, time got away from me. Because that's really when we end up making less healthy decisions. Um, and I also think when we're not, you know, so many people get so busy during the day, like I said, they're working, working, working. And I'm sure you've seen it. People might eat breakfast, they might not. They live off caffeine all throughout the day. And before you know it, 6 p.m., 7 p.m., you're starving understandably. And now you're eating like 70% of your calories between like seven and 11 PM. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, that's know? me. That's so, me to a T to a T just <laughs> pin that right on the board. That's Josh. So, you know that, and I think it's almost been exacerbated because, you know, intermittent fasting has become trendy. And I think people have used it as a justification to, I'm just, Intermittent fasting, not yeah. really that you're just not eating all day because you haven't planned that way. And I'm just going to eat everything at night, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> no, and I, I think, uh, like you said, you know, that justification, like, you know, you see that with all different things that, you know, not just nutrition, but other areas of people's lives. And going back to the same thing that you said, you know, uh, being being an, uh, an extreme at one point, like, oh, the busy bee 24 seven, never stopping. And then you got the person who's always relaxing and never does shit. You know, and then they're complaining about why isn't my life moving? You know, so I think it's like one of those things, hey, you got to find that balance or what works. Um, I got to ask you, um, like you said, you know, pre-planning your food, pre-planning your stuff, going, setting up uh, like an appointment, like if the same way you would treat a client to go to the grocery store. How do you work that in a, in a, in a manager, in a, in a form of, of 
an easy way for your client to understand that's manageable where they're not going to feel overstressed. Cause I'm sure there, there are going to be people who it might work easier for them, but for others, it might overstress them. How, how do you handle that? So it all depends on where they are at that moment. Depending on where they are is on how much I'm going to push. You know, I don't expect someone who, you know, is meeting with me and has just decided they want to start thinking about nutrition because they found out they're pre-diabetic. They've never put any thought into nutrition and they're meeting with me for the first time. I don't expect that person to necessarily set goals that are so detailed. So it depends on where they are. But I would say, let's say someone who, who I think that pre-planning is, is something that they would benefit from and they're ready for. Um, I will go over their schedule. You know, a lot of times when I meet with people, I ask, what is your work schedule like? What time do you get up? What time do you get in the car? Now, obviously things are a little bit different because of COVID. Um, so some people, some people have more time. It depends on who I'm speaking with, but you know, what does that schedule look like? And I'm trying to get an idea. Okay. When would you have time? You know, uh, and then with that, I take spots. Okay. How do we feel about spending this day to purchase the food, whether you're ordering it or going yourself. Um, can you, can you commit to cooking two dinners a week? You know, if we're at zero or if, you know, wherever they are, I try to incrementally, um, push them, nudge them in the right direction. What, you know, uh, because doing a 180 with nutrition, with exercise, with all these things to me for is setting people up most likely to crash and burn. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it's just like in, just like in training, right? It's like, yeah. okay, you know, you want to lose four. Okay. You got to lose 50 pounds. Okay. We're going to try to lose 50 pounds in a month. Like it's impossible. It's not going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and actually speaking of that, you know, I have really tried to pull people away from setting their goal at, of weight loss versus setting their goal of these behavior changes. Mm -hmm. Because what do we actually have control over? I can't just snap my finger or, you know, change the number on some scale or change my blood sugar or change my blood pressure. I can't do that. What I can do is choose differently for what I eat. I can choose to go for that walk rather than watch the third TV show in a row. I could choose to, you know, these are the things that I try to really have them focus on and actually create them as their goals. So rather than my goal is I want to lose 10 pounds, my goal is to find three vegetables I really like and make them regularly. I know that sounds probably very small and hard, not that hard significant, though. but, but, but yep. that is how you make like long lasting habits and behavior change. It's funny that you bring that up because look, even, even, you know, collectively us being, you know, health and fitness professionals, like, you know, there's times where, Hey, like you went on vacation, you know, you had your slip ups and then you come back and you know, you're back into wanting to get back into your thing. And even then it's not as easy as you thought, you know, even being a health and fitness professional, yeah, it might be easier, but even then your, your, your head still sometimes plays tricks with you. You're like, Oh, just, you know, tomorrow or just, you know, the next meal or so. Yeah. You know, for imagine for those who, who don't live in our world, you know? Oh, and I, I can definitely attest to that because, you know, I, I will, that was something that was eye opening, you know, versus studying certain demographics in, in grad school and then working with them hands on, recognizing that, yes, you know, fast food is something that is very much the norm in many communities. And it's been that way since their childhood to adulthood. You know, um, they maybe had 
very busy parents and home cooked meals was not the norm. Maybe, you know, th- that was me, you know, people, that was me. yeah, you know, and that, that is a much more challenging place to shift from because that food is very, you know, very, uh, high salt, high fat. It, it is, it triggers those taste buds in a way that when you're switching to more natural food, they might not give you that same pleasure initially, you know, especially if you don't know how to prepare them, you know, broccoli can be very important, uh, boring. It can be very awesome. It depends on how you make it. So, you know, finding out where they are and then just working, basically making some changes, but also I always like remind people is like anything you love. I don't care what it is. McDonald's, a Twinkie. Think of like the most unhealthy thing um, outside of soda. That's like the one thing I'm pretty like against, <laughs> but everything else, like, even, you, even, even ginger ale. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Actually. Yes. That is one thing in a hospital. I can talk about that in a second, but um, you know, just understanding like that, even though it's not flashy because people love, uh, a fad diet because it's very black and white. If I do this for 30 days, I don't need to think about it, but the all foods fit or, you know, moderation, that's less glamorous. Um, it's the truth, but it's less glamorous and, you know, it is harder to sell. I would say. You're telling me that everyone shouldn't just go on the carnivore diet, you know, just eat fucking oh T-bones oh my God. and bratwurst. Can I do wait? Can I T-bones and bratwurst. Wait, let's first, put a lot of cheese on can the Can I just say when Please. I first heard that, I, didn't pay attention to it because I just thought it wasn't like real. I was like, that's not a real thing. And then once I found out, oh wait, people are actually doing that. I still didn't paying attention because I just, there's too many things in this, in this world to actually learn, but uh, it made me sad. It made I, I me had sad. A, <laughs> I had to drop a client because he, he would not stop talking about the carnivore diet, no matter how much yeah. I tried to help him and figure, you know, yeah. okay, maybe you should just, you know, eat some fucking spinach and, you know, some fiber, maybe, <laughs> you, know, some, you know, no, 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 man, I'm telling you like, you know, no, Jordan Peterson did this, you know, it's like, because he's so, definitely a nutrition expert. So right, make right. sure you get it's like, your- you know, okay, maybe it'll work for you. I don't know. You know, I'm not you. I, I don't, you know, I know like very surface. I know enough to like convince you that I know a lot more than I really know to be able to get you to do other things. But you know, the nuances of carnivore versus Atkins versus, you know, if, if it, you know, I don't, you know, and that, that kind of brings it back to the beginning of the person's readiness to change someone like that. There is no readiness to change. So, you know, right. when, if, and when you are, I'm always here kind yeah. of thing. I also think the funny part about nutrition, which I experienced myself before I went to grad school. So I do have empathy when I meet people who are very, you know, uh, extreme with their eating patterns is, you know, it's really easy to be manipulated and persuaded when you don't really understand like the fundamental chemistry of nutrition, you know? And I, I mean, before I went to grad school, I went through every trendy diet you can think of. Juice cleanse. Oh, oh, I did a few. Oh yeah, I did. Wait, what was the, the master cleanse did that? I did gluten free. I did macrobiotic. I, I mean, I tried all these things, and uh, you know, Jenny Craig. Uh, I didn't try that. <laughs> didn't try that. But you know, I, I understand. What's the ones with the points? What is that one? Weight oh, Watchers. Wait, that's they Weight Watchers. Oprah, Oprah had one. No, they're too, right? WW now. What you, They've rebranded. Okay. What are your thoughts on that? Like the the whole point system. Um. Because they have found, I mean, they, like, they have found some success. I, I have, you know, I I know pre- people who have done well. I also know people who have like fallen off a fucking cliff because. You know, they went over five points and, oh, I'm like, what, what, what points for what? (laughs) Are we playing basketball? I think that things like that can 
for some people who don't have a lack of knowledge with nutrition, it can teach them, oh, like what's in food and, 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 you know, fat, protein, carbs, things like that. I think that can be helpful for sure. I, I do worry about the rigidity of some things because like you said, eating well should actually like relieve stress in your life and make Uh you feel better. And when the way you're eating is causing more stress, more anxiety, or you're you're now teetering on what we call orthorexia, now that's actually, I would say, that's harming your health. Are you guys familiar with that term? No, can you? Well, I'm I'm definitely not, but the people who are listening probably... So orthorexia is a term that is used for people who basically have a distorted eating pattern, which means they are really obsessive with eating healthy pure to the point where it might affect their uh, social I'm, life. I'm, Michelle, I'm clean. To... I'm clean. <laughs> I, I only eat clean. You know, yes, things like that. People who might yeah. spend, you know, uh, hours in the grocery store examining every single label that, uh, you know, if they get invited to a dinner party, they get anxiety because they don't know what's going to be served. Things of that nature, because that now is what we would call, you know, this is disordered. You know, we, we want to be health conscious, but we need to relax around food because stress, as we know, harms our health. So if now the way you're eating is causing you more stress, you're, I would argue that now you're probably harming your health. It's funny that, you know, the fact that you brought that up, because I was about to say too, the, the those people who, you know, they're like so health driven, health conscious in the sense of not even health conscious anymore, what you said to the point where they can't even go and hang out with friends because they're just so stressed out and cringing that I can't have that drink mm-hmm. or I can't oh my have God, a bite gonna, of that You're going to have dessert? Yeah, you're going to have dessert? Oh, yeah. I can't eat dessert. All right, well, fuck it. I'm eating dessert. Yeah. Like, yeah. I came to this restaurant because I love, <laughs> or I love like this. Or like me, I'm not sharing my desserts. So. Oh, no. No, that that always irks me. That always Anytime I've ever been on a date and I'm like, you want dessert? And I'm like, no, I'm like, right, I'm going to get dessert. Yep, you sure then, you don't you? want You sure? Yeah. Right, well, I'm just going to have some. I got this because I fucking wanted this. I just want to try it. Yeah, I got this because I want it. I'm a grown ass man. I'm gonna eat this whole fucking thing. If you want one, I don't care about the money. I'll just order, order one. one. If you eat a piece of it, I can promise you, I'm probably gonna eat the rest of yours too. Like, yep. Fair, fair. No, and and it's a real thing. And I would like, I would say um, that is something you know here in Miami Beach or Miami, probably improper. I see it a lot more often. Yeah, and it's definitely something that I think it's exacerbated with social media. You, you know? find it mostly in like women or or you know because. Um, I've seen it in both. I, I, I would say I probably see it more in women, um, but I have seen it in men as well. Especially in fitness, like too, like you get those fitness fanatics. I gotta work out. Yeah, I gotta work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I gotta hit a double. Are they? I yeah, they have double. like a milkshake and Every they're like they're day, like, like no. a fucking asshole no. all the rest of the day. I'm like, yeah. chill, man. It's like a fucking. No. And they're freaking yeah. out because they miss a workout. Yeah, yeah. You know. that's a problem. Like yeah. that's a problem. It's an addiction. Yeah. Too. It, it really, yeah. it definitely is. And yeah. I think that. Um, we need to like step back and kind of evaluate those things. Like guys, you know, stress is important to pay attention to. And, and if your life, which is supposed to remove stress is adding to it, we need to do some like reflection, but it is hard to get through. It's hard to get through people like that. Sometimes they don't want to hear it because somehow these habits have become, you know, reflective of who they are in mm-hmm. a way, you know, yeah. and uh, the idea of challenging that challenges so many things and their own self identity. So yeah, uh, it it's, can go down all types of rabbit it's holes. Like Josh, there. Josh is always stressing me out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I, I mean, I was like, you know, I was one of those kids who, who, you know, always finished their plate and went up for seconds and always finished. Yeah. You know, I always prided myself on no matter where I went as a kid. 
you know, probably why I was 220 pounds at 17 years old, you know, but oh God, I forgot about that. Yeah. Wow. Fat Josh, fat Josh. If you guys want to check it out online, uh, I deleted all the photos. So fuck you guys. But you know what I mean? I was, I was always that type of person that like, no, no matter anytime I went over to a friend's house or something, I always pride myself on no matter how disgustingly full I felt, I had to clean the plate. Let me ask you a question. Way. Let me ask you a question. You still are. Don't fucking lie. Because that, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah, very that's common. <laughs> that's super common. And I definitely had a, a you know, encouraged clean your plate uh, family growing up. But I, I find that that's very common with people who there might have been some food insecurity at some point in their yeah. lives. Yeah. And, you you know, it's it's funny how something that might have felt small at some point in your life has will travel and be with you much later. Yeah. So I do find a lot of people who tend to do that might have had some that food insecurity issues at some point. Mm-hmm. And that was something that was in, ingrained in them. Like, you know what? Free food is here. I'm going to eat it all. Take it yeah. Food is here. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to eat That's it funny all. that you say you, that you though, because put me in a buffet before, like yeah. in the, you put me in a buffet. Oh, uh, it's seven it. plates, seven yeah. plates. Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny you say that because, you know, now, you know, people, go out to eat with me and I'll eat half of it and take the other half home. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, you know, you, you used to be this savage when it came to eating food. Like now you eat like a bird. Like, is it something I did? Is it, is it the food that I cooked? It's like, not. Nah, I'm maybe, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe now that, you know, I have some money in the bank account and, you know, I can go to nice restaurants or I, I have the luxury of being able to walk across the street and go to whole foods and, and pick something up. Like, now I know, like, I don't need to do that. I, I can go to the store and get food again if I'm hungry. Yes. I would actually even say that is uh, you being somewhat of an intuitive eater. Yeah. Because you are honoring your fullness. You are, you have the comfort of understanding that food will be here later. Even this food I love doesn't, I don't need to eat the whole cake. Because guess what? The cake is still going to be here tomorrow and the next day. If I want a piece tomorrow, it's there for me. And, you know, that psychological aspects of food is something else I see with clients and you have to pry, which is why they're getting a really thorough assessment of not only their life now, but what was food like growing up? What was what types of food were made? You know, who did the cooking? Those things actually matter, even if the person in front of me is 50, 60 years old. That's an awesome point that you made. You know, never. That's an interesting way to see it, too. Um, You know, and, and going, you know, to the psychological part as well, like I remember you know, even like going up as well, you know, playing football, I would eat anything, you know, and my dad yeah. would take us to eat and he used to be like, stop eating with your eyes. <laughs> All you do is eat with your eyes, yeah. like stop, you know? So yeah, it was one of those I still things. do that on Uber Eats. I'm like, oh, you know, cause I'm order <laughs> cause I'm ordering food delivery and I have to pay this fucking dollar 49 fee. Like I now need to get all this extra food. Then I get it. And I'm like, I'm just going to like eat, eat this like side salad <laughs> and then put the rest away. It's true. It's very true. And I think that's something that um, is actually a reason why a lot of people tend to overeat. Not necessarily that they're hungry, but there's something from their past of whether it be food insecurity or maybe even maybe just at home. They're having on grocery shopping. I don't have much food there. This food is free. Let me eat it. I don't think necessarily that connection is even made until you have someone to reflect that on them. Yeah. Yeah. So, for sure. so just diving a little deeper now with, with that, with, you know, food and nutrition and the importance of it. Um, you know, I would love, you know, for our listeners to know more, a little bit more or more in depth about gut health. Oh, okay. 
She, um, she, she's I a perfect person for that. She's I love a, this topic. It's so uh, it's very exciting. I, I I remember the the beginning stages of you getting obsessed with gut health. You were still at Equinox, and uh, yeah, you know, I yeah. was I was right there with you, like trying trying to learn as much so as I could from you. The so, part so that's a good question. Then, right? Yeah, that's a great okay, question. Good, 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 good. The, the part that's Gold less exciting for, for is Mendes. I did a lot of reading, and it's like I feel like nothing new has like I won't say nothing new has happened, but like. I don't know. I, I feel like I haven't got anything really juicy lately, but basically uh, I think it's actually a very important time to talk about this too, because of COVID more people are concerned about maybe their overall health and their immune systems. And our immune system is about 70% residing in the gut. The gut is such a fascinating, crazy place, but basically we have um, our microbiome, uh, refers to all of the microbes, uh, bacteria, fungi, things that live, little critters that live in our gut, primarily the large intestines. And these little critters live, you know, throughout the colon and what their fuel is, is fiber. So fiber is an undigestible carbohydrate to humans. We do not contain enzymes to break them down, but these little critters in our large intestines do. So to act uh, when you fuel them properly. So fiber requirements, minimum fiber requirements are 25 grams a day for women, 38 for men. So what does that look like for people? Yeah. Uh, you know, like if like, uh, food like wise? In, yeah. And food wise, like where, you know, where could you get 25 grams of oh. fiber daily? Oh, great. All great questions. Um, <laughs> We've had some practice, this? but let me finish. Let me finish this one thought and then I'm gonna come back to yeah, that. Josh, so up, bro. so I'm excited. you, you, uh, I'm excited too. You, so let's say, you know, you're eating adequate fiber, this fiber gets to the large intestines. The the bacteria ferment them in the large intestines. They create something called short chain fatty acids, and these short chain fatty acids are very anti inflammatory to the bottom body. So that also to the bottom, <laughs> to everything. But um, it's 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 so that that happening is really important. And what happens is, and I've read a few studies with like images of this. Is is uh, if you have a diet, one we know that. Low fiber diets are correlated, not causation, but correlated uh, with increased colon cancer rates. But what happens is these little critters, when they don't have the fiber to eat, they start to eat away at the mucosal lining in the gut. And that can create issues as well. So we really want to make sure that we are getting adequate fiber on a daily basis. So now where does it come from? Metamucil. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I mean, uh, ideally wanted to come from food. Okay. So as a dietitian, I'm a food first always over all supplements. Uh, me and actually the rest of the dietitians at Essence don't take any supplements and I got hey, good vitamin go. D guys. So watch out. <laughs> um, but basically all plant foods contain some type of fiber. Some have more than others. Um, some of your powerhouses, I would say beans are a powerhouse. So have you guys heard of the terms? I'm sure you've heard probiotics. Have you heard the term prebiotic? Yeah. yeah. So prebiotic is a specific type of fiber that I would say is your microbes' favorite food. So it's an oleosaccharide, three between three and ten um, glucose molecules. That is really what they want. That's their jam. So beans really rich in that. Uh, slightly unripened bananas, onions, garlic. Uh, artichokes, Jerusalem artichokes. Those are, those are really like powerhouses. Um, so if you like beans, luckily being here in South Florida, beans are awesome. We, you know, I think people get like freaked out about them because they're like, Oh, so many carbohydrates. But, they're going to make me fart. Yeah. You know, and I will say this, it could, I mean, for most, the average American usually eats between last 
stats I read was somewhere between like 11 and like 14 grams a day. Those are usually from cereal, not necessarily whole foods. So if you're going from 10 grams a day to 40, that might yeah. be a big jump. Yeah, you jump. love that. You love that. <laughs> so it depends. That's why I do a really good analysis of what they're currently eating. And like we're going to tiptoe them in that direction because that big jump in fiber can cause some distension, can cause some gas, can cause multiple trips to the bathroom, all of which are normal. It's not that these, this is a bad thing, but your just gut isn't used to that fermentation happening and, and all of that. Um, there's a phenomenal book I will recommend uh, to your listeners if they love this topic. It's called The Good Gut. Love that book. Oh, you read it. Well, you recommended oh, it to me years amazing. ago. Amazing. So it is amazing. It's a really, really good book on the details of, of our microbiomes and, and what it means for our immune system and our overall health. So, and I truly believe this to down the road play a much bigger role in medicine. I mean, there's a lot of causations. I, I've, I've read certain ways they're utilizing things now, but I think in the future one day we'll be able to analyze guts in a detailed way and have an understanding of which microbes do what and what you need more of. Um, that's my, that's my hypothesis for the future. <laughs> you know, now that you mentioned that, and, and this is something that, you know, you and I talked about before, uh, before the podcast a couple of days ago, maybe a week ago, I must have posted something either about the, 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 the area in Mexico, or maybe it was in California where they, they set up that, uh, like educational um like mandate for you to like really be able to live a healthier life like through food choice or something like that i can't remember what it was the thing that triggered the whole covid conversation that we were having the other day i thought that Um, was the post from bill maher clip oh that's right that's what it was yeah the bill maher clip that's right so go ahead uh yeah so (laughs) just to kind of give everyone like a little reference so bill maher uh had part of his his uh, one of his segments was on, you know, coming up with ways to to really have actual preventative care without prescription medication or vaccines or this right and and that's something that you know we've talked about a lot. You and I used to talk about it in the past a lot. How frustrating it is, and especially with COVID, right? Like we hear everything about masks, you know. And I'm not saying don't wear a mask if you're outside. Don't be an asshole. Wear a mask if you're inside with people who are adversely at risk, right? Don't be an asshole. Wear a mask, right? Um, wash your hands, you know, hand sanitizer. Be careful. But there is absolutely zero talk. Zero. I have not heard one politician, not one mainstream media source other than Bill Maher, even mention the fact that our dietary habits and our lack of exercise, lack of, you know, just physical activity in general, you know, our inability to to... Uh, avoid or or mitigate stress and our poor sleep habits, right? Mm-hmm. Not a word, mm-hmm. not yeah. one word. Yeah, so I feel all kinds of ways about that. So, yes, I think don't let don't uh, don't hold back. I know please. I'm trying to think of where to even start. They just I, slap a bandaid on top of everything. Right. That's it. So what I would say to that is, I, I completely agree that you know. We don't have a healthy population in America. We don't, you know, mo- most adults are, are managing one, if not more chronic diseases. Uh, I can tell you the vast majority of people, you know, hypertension, diabetes, obesity, like um, eventually kidney disease and all types, you know, these are all unfortunately much very common. Um, and I think it is very important that we're paying attention to it. However, 
and you guys can, might attest to this too, is, you know, you're working with someone one-on-one. And for me, I realized like, gosh, you know, like addressing one person is, is fine, but how do we address the masses, you know? Yeah. And that is when health policy comes into play. And if you're really into this topic, there is a professor at Tufts University called Dr. Mazafarian. He is phenomenal and has done research specifically on health policy and what that would mean as far as decrease in diseased rates, decrease in hospital uh, admissions, decrease in all types of things, you know? Right. Um, so I think that hasn't been talked about because money. Yeah. I mean, it's really, yep. it's really that easy. We live in America, right guys? Do I you mean, think, do you, do you <laughs> think it, I mean, pharma. It, you know, big yeah. pharma, but even big food, right? Oh, like oh. these oh, big time. churn and burn, Cheerios, like, you, you know, genocidal, uh, yes. you know, yes. farms oh. that are unsustainable long-term, right? I mean, I mean, long-term in terms of like hundreds and thousands of years worth of time. Yes. It's not, it's not sustainable. The way we even grow our food and i mean don't even get me started with factory farming mono agriculture it's not, yes it's not only ruining the planet it's also ruining our health it's it's actually bad for you know small farmers we have less and less small farmers i read god what was it it was like a stat on dairy farmers recently like there is not hardly any small dairy farmers yeah. anymore and it, know? even like, if you are it's hard you know i grew up in an area where you know even to get into my town you have to literally go past 50 farms half of which are dairy farms, the other half are, you know, hay or corn, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And you just see acres upon acres of Mm -hmm. cornfields and nothing else. My entire life, that's all I would see there is corn, you know, or cattle. Mm -hmm. So the farm bill is something that is a huge piece of legislation. The ag gag laws, uh, right? That we don't... you know, uh, they're so huge. I think, I think sometimes these things get passed and people don't even read them, honestly. Um, well, they get you know, stuffed in there along with the, the spending bill. Yeah. And it's, and unfortunately is that these big companies, it is lucrative for them to continue the way things are. And then the way we fund our elections, who has money to donate the most money and you donate the most money, you have the most influence, you know, and I think it's at the detriment to all of us. Yeah. You know, and I think that without a doubt is influencing our health. So, you know, a couple things I, I know I've heard Mazafarin talk about that I think would be so powerful is, you know, we, you know, making not only, let's say, a, a tax on certain junk foods, but but using that money to to subsidize healthy food, because if you just make junk food more expensive. Who like are you the soda tax in New York. You're, you're based, you're, you harm the poor the most, Yeah, you know, but those are the, those are the people that usually are the most unhealthy. We want to help them. So we need to make healthy food cheaper. Right. That is huge. And I also think certain nudges, you know, like I can't, I can't remember what country it is, but some countries I know it is illegal to market junk food to kids. So I know we have like cartoons for Lucky Charms and Frosted Flakes. Tricks are for kids. Tricks are for kids. Yep. I mean, listen, if I was queen yeah, for a Silly day, rabbit. <laughs> silly rabbit. Yeah. Tricks are for kids. Yeah. Things like that. I actually think there shouldn't even be, like, you know how, you know, back when the big tobacco lawsuits happened and, you know, before there was advertisements for cigarettes and there was commercials and now there's no more. Kind of think that should be the same way about certain foods, personally. Yeah. Skittles, you know. Yeah, I think uh, Marshawn Lynch. Sorry, buddy. Even yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't mean that these foods shouldn't exist. Without a doubt, they should. Right. But we shouldn't bombard them in your face because you know who doesn't have a marketing budget is broccoli. 
or black beans right. <laughs> or you know so usually they get demonized in movies mm-hmm. and television like the kid i'm not yes. eating the broccoli i'm not yes yeah. good point you all, all oh, of, just give me some toast and, yes. and some cereal i think all those things matter you know even, even to the point like we've normalized um just grazing and snacking all day because no one sits and cooks meals right you know? oh and you also you shouldn't be hungry you should never be hungry you should yeah. never feel hungry like what for, for what <laughs> who told you that or even how, um, you know, food is now sold in places that I personally don't understand why food's being Gas sold stations. there. Well, or I was thinking more places like Home Depot, yeah, Office Depot. True. Yeah, right? Office Depot, True. they sell candy. You go to cash yeah. out, there yeah, is they want you to all... Munch at your yeah, every time I've ever been to an Office Depot, I've, I've bought candy. You're like, why is this being sold here? Like, or, fuck those Twizzlers. What, what I food. understand, too, is these hospitals that sell all this junk food. Oh, yeah. Over yeah, well, you were mentioning that before, right, with the ginger ale. I never and, understood oh, that. Yeah. Or, you know, right. apple juice, like sugary yes. apple or juice. inside of the doctor's office, they've had vending. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yo, you're telling yes. these people not to eat this yes. shit and you have it in your office. But all that down comes to... Yep. Yeah. yeah, but I, um, I I like the idea of sub subsidizing, right? Using that tax money to make those hotels uh, right, uh, right. cheaper. And I mean, the allocation of funds within our government system is horrendous across the board, right? I think we can all agree. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to figure out a way to gut the way that they they allocate funds and and try to find a way where. Mm-hmm our either local communities or state communities can start really trying to figure out how because how we can actually the, get the funds the where we need. The welfare of our people, in my opinion, should be first and foremost. Yeah, and it's That's, not. And it's not. It's, it's not. not. It's not. It's but I power, will, power, and money. Mm-hmm. I'll send you um, some of his stuff. I think yeah, that maybe, great. I don't know if you can put it in the show notes. Uh, it's really interesting stuff. I actually, I should tweet at Bill Maher to have him on the show. Oh, hell yeah. Because yeah. he be really, uh, I saw him in person and at Fancy, was it two years ago? He gave a great, after I heard him on a podcast and I've just followed, you know, on Twitter. So yeah, maybe we, we can try to get him on. Be great. But yeah. he's, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. And that is the, he actually wants to create, you know, we have the National Institute of Health mm-hmm. to create a National Institute of Nutrition because even even research, you know, the, the, I remember he did the comparison of like how much candy gets marketing, you know, per year versus what the spending is on, you know, research for nutrition. It's like, you know, a hundred to one. Pennies on the dollar. Pennies yeah. to the dollar. So we don't really invest anything in this and it's so important, you know, even yeah. to the, so much of like, um, I mean, a few, what was it? A few years ago when Michelle Obama tried to make some changes to the public school nutrition program, you guys saw the backlash on that. Oh yeah. Heaven forbid you try to add some vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was the kid that had like four, four chicken nugget lunches with like the, the makeshift mashed potatoes at, you know, it's for a dollar 50 a piece. And I I feel very, and talking about like public school food or hospitals, pizza served everywhere. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's about budget. And I think cheap. Yeah. You know, and there's certain things, like you said, the misallocation of dollars. I'm sure there are dollars going places where it would be better spent that our children had nourishing, healthy food, you know, breakfast and lunch right. every day. They would learn better. They would have more energy. They it, Well, they have no problem drumming up, you know, $3 trillion in order to, you know, to, you know, kneel to the, to the masses of corporatism. But you can't, you know, you can't find a billion dollars, a billion out of three trillion in order to allocate funds to places like Chicago, like the, the Latin American community here that, you know, clearly suffers in order to, and, you know, I've had conversations with some of my friends that are like, well, how would you go about that? I'm like, well, you know, subsidizing educational shopping, you know, events where like, you know, maybe someone like you or, you know, my bat, my master's is in a corporate or, or 
health promotion, right? So like someone taking them around, okay, listen, stay away from the middle aisles. You need to look for these foods, you know, or, or, you know, subsidized cooking classes for low income communities where you can go to the community center. You can say, listen, it doesn't take an hour and a half to prep a meal. You don't need to look like, you know, chef Ramsey. Every time you make a meal, it takes 15 minutes to bake some vegetables and, and cook some protein on the and stove. I think the other thing too, like it's also to like bringing that on, but also finding a creative way to want to have these people's full attention, you know, and wanting them to even come to the event. Cause well, I see that's the other issue too. Like some people do host certain things and then barely people show up Yeah, you know, well, or they're I, not used to that. So they don't show up. I think one thing is shifting cultural norms in this country is a big thing. And I do think with our children is a great place for it to start. You know, if in public schools, one, let's not cut out PE guys. Physical activity oh. should be present from kindergarten to graduation. Should, recess doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. yeah. You know, that is the best awful. part of my day. Come on. So, so that should be a part of it so that you're normalizing exercise and in a way that's fun so that you, you know, it's not punishment. That's how so many people think of exercise. I'm doing this as punishment because I was bad and I have to do this versus I do this because it gives me energy and if, and I feel good and it's fun. And then with nutrition, same thing. Like I actually think from, you know, obviously all public schools, kids should have nourishing, healthy meals that they enjoy. Doesn't mean that everything is boiled chicken and broccoli. You can have tacos that are healthy, you know, does it? Yeah. And then I actually think, like I said, cooking classes, I, I we need to teach people practical skills in school and cooking is definitely one of them because, you know, being in my mid thirties, I, I see clients that are my age who are completely lost and don't get me wrong. Listen, I'm not, I'm not a master chef over here, but you know, it, knowing the basics is, is a skill that's important. So I think, you know, shifting those norms at a very young age and then those kids go home and they're like, Hey mom, I ate this. I'm doing this. I cooked this today. Can we try to make this at home? I do think that can shift things on a larger, on a larger scale. And then just talking about the subsidi um, subsidizing healthier foods, you know, when you compare five hundred, the cost of five hundred calories at McDonald's versus the cost of five hundred calories through wild salmon and you know greens and and extra virgin olive oils and nuts and all the things that we know are so healthy, you're going to get much less food. <laughs> so there's a reason that that shifts certain families to buy certain True. calories. Cause yeah. you just get more calories for less money. Right. I mean, yeah. at Taco Bell, they have that like family size thing. It's like, oh, make man. your own taco. But it's like fucking shit. 50 tacos that you can make, you know, clearly it's going to be like 10,000 yeah, calories. So you got a family of four or five that like, Oh, here you go. Yeah. I will give a shout out to, cause there is a dietitian that works for Taco Bell that I've read about. They're the, they're the healthiest, right? They're the, of, healthiest. they're the healthiest. They have a whole menu that's high protein. That's vegetarian. That's under, I can't remember what the caloric amount is, maybe four or 500 calories. So better than a thousand. And I actually think that's amazing because you have to meet people where they are. Right. If they're going through that drive through, but now there's an option. I mean, that's a small nudge. You, know? you might only get a couple of people, but it's a couple but more people than you would have had. True. Yeah. You know, so I do think that's important. I think that I, I wish there was more eye opening to our food systems, to the public. They keep it very quiet. The ad gag laws are oh, terrible, are awful. terrible. You can't film. You can't, awful. can't even say a disparaging comment Same. or the litigation gets thrown it in your is, face in a heartbeat. And, and you know, it's awful. Oh my God. I don't know where to start. It's awful for so many reasons, but even it's not just awful for, how those animals are treated, what's happening to the environment. We are paying for things, whether 
just because that chicken might be cheap at the store we're paying Genetic for in other ways. I mean, even even the stuff you see here in Biscayne Bay now with like the fishes and oh, stuff from all the all the lawn fertilizer, you know, like imagine what that's doing in small farming communities like mine where, you know, we have a, a major body of water. We have the St. Lawrence River and Lake Ontario, but interconnected in between that is like this massive, beautiful creek system that run along all of these farms. So if those farms are using these like very harmful pesticides and fertilizers, like that runs directly into the 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 heart of our community. And we can tie that all back to money again because environmental laws are there to hopefully prevent some of these things, but then these companies make certain contributions. Maybe we're going to relax this one law, maybe we're going to, you know, so it's I'm glad I, I do think more and more people are paying attention to this. I think this pandemic, uh, if I could say anything good about it, has has made some people really pay attention. Okay, what's going on with my health? What's going, you know, just yep. being more uh, cognizant of these things. But there's a lot of work to do. But I have faith in our generation, honestly. I, I agree 100. Yeah. You know, At this- some point. There are going to be different people in power. We just have to make sure it's the right ones. <laughs> I, I have to um, definitely say that this, uh, you know, during this time has brought awareness, you know, especially in, in a lot of people's um, decision making, you know, whether it's health, you know, you know, starting a business, relationships, family, all that stuff. And um, I think it's just one of those things where it's just hopefully coming out of this. You know, we talked about it the other day in the podcast you know, this puts you in a stage where if you're implementing a change, this will turn into a habit and hopefully they keep these habits moving forward, even out of the COVID. Um, and if they are seeing results and they're happy from it, then there's no reason why they shouldn't stop doing that. So um, I do agree that a lot, there has been a positive that ca- came mm-hmm. out of, out of this. Um, I wanted to ask you, cause I know we talked about children a lot and, and schools, um, especially for all those parents out there listening you know, how important is it to drive gut health, especially for their children? Um, you know, understanding that, you know, since that food, bad food being driven into them does affect mm-hmm. the way that they grow up and later when they are adults and, you know, problems they have later on. I mean, I think as someone with no children, <laughs> but through observation. Preach. Preach. <laughs> Sorry, Mendez. Yeah, you're, you're the minority oh, now, man. Okay. I always get stuck in these kid t- conversations oh, before the podcast. Yeah, no, that's okay. I'll, I think all the, almost everyone in my private practice has babies. But um, so as even though I don't have any, I think, it, you know, I, I can reflect back to my own childhood. And I think that it's not it's not about even saying these specific things to children. It's just about being a good role model. You know, uh, you know, having family meals, a norm, you know, making just real food, you know, Uh, whether it be uh, Cuban food, even Italian food, you know, you're at the end of the day, uh, a a protein, a rice, a bean, a vegetable. Those are those are good foods. You know, they're real foods. So I think just normalizing home cooking, you know, having lots of food around for children to observe, you know, having a counter that has apples and bananas and kiwis and things to snack on versus just like junk food around the house, you know, yeah. kids are going to eat what's around them. So, True. so, and then having, you know, you being the example that you're eating certain foods, you're cooking meals. I th- I think that's the biggest thing, you know, um, again, I'm not a parent, but I do think that's one of the most important things. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And I know you and Jenny do a great job of that with, with Stella. We, we, we try our best. We and, definitely and, try and our best. I would also say, you know, 
allowing children to have the whole spectrum and that not necessarily demonizing like that piece of cake either. Now, don't get me wrong. I think some people can like give very, very young children, you know, sugar at very young age, but at some point they're going to go to a birthday party. They're going to have a piece of cake. So that's going to be yeah. normal and not because I think when you really villainize a food like that, that's already now creating a different relationship around that food. That's going to make them possibly more obsessive around it. Want to eat it, want to eat it in secret. True. You know, uh, yeah. I've the stories, you know, I've, I've heard from people about, you know, what, mom, my mother didn't let me eat this. My mother locked the fridge. My you know, that also is not good either. It's like those parents like, Oh, you can't, you can't go out and date. You can't go to parties. You can't go. And then they're the ones escaping homes and yeah. doing all this crazy so shit. That that's a great example. And that can be done with food as well. Yeah. So, so having that around, you know, having a wide array and, and just a lot of plants around. Um, and I, I realize now looking back as, as a kid, like, I ate all types of foods that were just normal to me. But as an adult, I realized, oh man, I was so lucky to be around like real foods. But when you're a kid, that's just normal. That's just what mom's eating. That's what my brother's eating. That's what I'm eating. It's so like, even, uh, you know, me and Jenny were talking, she's, she's really wanting, like, you know, I'm thinking about buying a home now coming up soon when our well, soon meaning like in February, close to that time when our lease ends up. And when one of the things she wants to do is have enough you know land where we can, she can grow some of her own food, Amazing. you know, and, and she wants to be able to just do that with us and the baby and just have her outside running and playing and, you know, seeing what it is to grow and pick out your own food. And I was like, I agree. I get jealous. I get jealous when I see her Instagram stories. I'm like, fuck, I need to get a girlfriend again. <laughs> <laughs> there. So speaking of which, so I, that's something I've always had a big interest in. I've never done, um, you know, I had a garden growing city up. City living. No, I've yeah. always, you know, I live in apartments, even when I had, a, you know, so I never really had the opportunity, but and I haven't showed up yet, but there, I just read recently, there is an organization, I believe they're called the Green Haven Project in Overtown, and they grow food for the community. There's one on Collins, too. Oh, And okay. third. Oh, okay. Collins or Got Collins, it. I think, in third or first. So I wanted to check them there. out because they grow all types of food and then they give it back to the community because that community is, you know, one of those. Wow, that's uh, amazing. You know, yeah, it's like, you really know. Cool. Um, food deserts. They don't have a lot of healthy food. So right. it's grown and it's given back. And I'm like, Oh man, I, you know, I'm giving them a shout out. I haven't been there, but I, hey, I yeah, no, I, I mean, I've saw follow their social media. I read about them first in the Miami, was it the new times? What's and, the name again? Uh, the green Haven project. Green Haven. Project. And it seems awesome. So eventually I will make it over there. Um, Let me know. I, I'd love to go with you, but yeah, I think, sure. yeah. And I think it'd be so fantastic. Like just to learn how to grow food. And I think there is something special folks being there from the beginning to end and realizing all the work that goes into that potato to get to your plate. Yeah. You know, you, you have this appreciation for it. And it also coming back to gut health, you know, we know kids that grow up in farms tend to have less allergies. Um, when mm. your hands are in the dirt, you're exposed. I'm glad you brought that up. I want to talk yeah, to you about you're, allergies. You're exposed to different little bugs and micros, yeah. which can help boost the immune system as well versus people who grow up in very sterile environments where things are, cleaned uh you know clean freak so that was not me i was like eating fucking dirt and sticks <laughs> so and was i grasshoppers so my mom's like why are you eating that bug you gross fuck <laughs> yeah i was definitely in the dirt and you know dragging things in the house yep. always so mm. uh, i get lucky there but yeah no i think that there's a lot to to benefit from from that and also i'm sure do you follow dr cochia yeah. So one of, one of my old professors, his professor's wife, I believe. Yes. Um, yeah. She, so random. So funny. So like dietitian and like exercise. And he's professor. like a he's like a big like he. <laughs> you know how I'm like I always get so hyped off a 
public chicken tender subs. He's like, the only way you're going to make gains is a public chicken tender sub every week. Like, it's got to be the public chicken tender one. And then, like, you know, his peanut or like his sandwich with potato bread. Like, I'm fucking obsessed with it. Love that guy. Shout out to, to, to Dr. Mike Zordos. But I just I love watching her social media because she grows all this food and then you get to see the meal she makes with her family with the food that she grew. I was like, it's awesome. That's amazing. So yeah. maybe that you can manifest that in your life too. <laughs> Definitely will. Hey Michelle, we uh we uh, went over an hour already, man. It's time flies. Oh wow. Time flies. I know Jeez. we can talk about this forever. I see how trigger, Joe just trigger, talks for three hours. Now. I know. Yeah. Oh my god, just yeah. get started, guys. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I just yeah. Once we start triggering each other, it's just <laughs> it's all over. So. You know, I, I think, you know, uh, the, this is a great time to wrap things up. And uh, I know Menda's going to have a quick question for you to, to wrap it up. But before we do that, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you and where they can, you know, if they want to, uh, you know, engage in your services, how, how they can go about that? Sure, sure. So um, I work with Essence Nutrition Miami. You can find me on Instagram at eat like Michelle. That's Michelle with one L. If you find one with two, that's okay. Cause we have two Michelles in our practice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, you can, uh, our founder is eat like Monica. Her page is much more fancy and fun than mine, but, uh, we'll get you there. Definitely through there. You can uh, find me, um, to work with me privately. Obviously we work with people actually around the country and around the world. So FaceTime, uh, it works for everybody now. And, um, that's probably the best place. Yeah. I won't even give an email because social media is the easiest. Yeah. You don't want to get doxxed. Exactly. You don't want all these creeps. Exactly. You don't want all these YouTube creeps. Uh, <laughs> Mendes. So I always like to finish up with some questions. Okay. Um, rapid fire. First question. Um, final jeopardy. <laughs> first question. What is your favorite food? Oh man. Shakshuka. Oh man. Um, I see every other night you're cooking. So I love food so much. That's such a broad question because I have like favorite foods from different genres. How dare you, Mendez? Italian and then Cuban food. Okay, great. Um, Favorite Italian food would be Feast of the Seven Fish that you do on uh, Christmas Christmas Eve Eve. because I love seafood. Shout out to all the Guidos out there, of course. I grew up in an Um, Italian family. Amazing. Okay, so that's my favorite. And honestly, black beans and rice. I know True. that's so simple, but black beans and rice is my comfort food. I can eat a bowl of it every day. <laughs> Same here. It's like I'm talking to my abuela. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Question number two. What's the biggest nutrition tip that you can leave somebody today that they can start using and be effective? Eat the rainbow. Eat color. Find, find plants that you like. Eat them often. Try ones you haven't tried. Try to find a way to get more plants into your body. Love it. <laughs> Next question. Just because it's something that um, I think we can all agree on that we see pretty often. When, as a, as a fitness trainer, fitness coach, when do you draw that fine line where you shouldn't step into the shoes of a dietitian? Where That's you a see question. a lot of this great happening, selling these programs, mm-hmm. not understanding that you know, you can actually get in trouble. So I'm so glad you asked that. I probably should have brought that up myself. <laughs> um, one, if the person is is managing any chronic disease that's out of your scope of practice. So if they're diabetic, if they have kidney issues, if, you know, scenarios like that, you definitely want to refer to a dietitian. Um, and I would say you want to keep it general. So things like drinking more water, drinking less soda, eating more vegetables, cooking more, um, 
eating, eating fatty fish a few times a week, making those general recommendations are awesome and much appreciated by dietitians. So please do that. But when you get into the specifics, you know, uh, certain writing specific meal plans, pushing trendy diets that make whole food groups or certain foods off limits. Those are the places you don't want to go. Love it. And what, what, um, what search or what education would you recommend coaches to go out there as far as in nutrition for them to be just more educated on it? PN. A good question. Yeah, precision precision nutrition is a great certification. Doctor John Berardi. Yeah, they're fantastic. And actually, I read a book uh, end of last year that was really great. That I, if people just like nutrition and science, there was a book I read called "Eat to Beat Disease" by oh god, Doctor William something. But anyways, it was a great book, and I think anyone who wants to know more about the details, like. Why is this food so good? And he goes into so many different details and studies of why this certain food is so good, you know? And I thought, thought it was a lot of fun. So I think if you like that topic, you would really enjoy the book. Eat to beat. Eat to beat Eat disease. To beat. Right. Definitely. Two more. Okay. Um, here we go. <laughs> What's the craziest thing you've ever seen in your practice? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> Without any... Uh... Um, God, I've seen so many crazy things. Um. You know, I would say this isn't the craziest, but it's, it is crazy and common, which makes me sad is I can't tell you how many, um, usually women that I meet that their desire to lose weight is so drastic that they're trying to live their life on like 800 calories. And like their only, their only thought is I have to eat less calories and less calories and less calories. And like starvation is not a diet. So I would say that it's, I'll put that as craziest because how prevalent it seems to be. Definitely, uh, <laughs> definitely good to hear. Um, last one. When one sentence, what's the biggest piece of advice you can leave off to everybody today? Hire Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> um, eat food that your grandmother would recognize as food. It's one hell of a tip. You guys heard it. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> thank Michelle. You guys. Thank you. Yeah, Appreciate thank you. you. Appreciate it. We got. We're gonna have to do this again soon. Bye. Till next time, guys. Thank you for listening to Sweat It Out with Anthony Mendez and Josh Evans. Enjoyed this episode? Make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review.